action feeds into Patterson's and yes, touchdown to Greg Olsen. Wilson just got it away. There's Keith Lee. Touchdown, Carolina. Welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is Brian, joined by John as always. John, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Brian. How are you? I'm good. This is the first Monday of the regular season where I didn't walk in depressed to start the day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, w- I would say the first one after in a long time. Like, Actually, yeah, you're right. We snapped the eight-game eight losing Nine. streak. Nine games. Nine games, that's right. It's almost kind of a... Uh, poetic that the the losing streak started after the Panthers beat the Cardinals and it ended right before the Panthers played the Cardinals. So that'll be interesting. Also the other parallel is the last home win was in, was against the saints in week two <laughs> of last year. Oh, uh, they're then... just, <laughs> if there's anything about Matt rule, he's consistent. We will, if nothing else. I mean, I guess it's like the perfect hat. Well, I guess not his first year he didn't beat the Saints, but the last two years, it's like, if nothing else, he satisfies your desire to at least beat the Saints. Right. And uh, exactly as I said, if, if the Panthers can win any two games of the season, it's the, it's at it's at the Saints and versus the Saints at home. So they checked one of those boxes off for me. Gave you a nice a nice uh, little cushion, or not even a cushion, but brought you back in the game against the random number generator and myself. So <laughs> good for you. Yes, I need, I needed the Panthers to do that for me. Yeah, tightened tightened the 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 running there. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the Panthers managed to beat the Saints at home, twenty two to fourteen. Um, offensively, not the best game ever, but the defense <laughs> finally showed up. And just to give a little brief recap. I, I, I do okay. want to push on that where you said it finally showed up. I feel like the defense has been fine. They just finally made, like, splash plays. Yeah, Which I mean. I feel like it's kind of the story from last year, too, though, right? Yeah, like, they had they had the opportunities. I mean, like like we said last week, Frankie Louvu dropped what would have been a game-winning, easy interception for a touchdown against the Giants, where – We'd be sitting yeah. here two and one being real optimistic where now it's like, okay, well now the Panthers got to write the ship and this is where they started. Hopefully. But yeah. So speaking of Frankie Louvu, so the Panthers first score of the game after just abysmal offensive performance, really um, Frankie Louvu ripped the ball out of Alvin Kamara's hands and Marquise Haynes took it for a touchdown first score of the game. And Marquise Haynes is really fast. I don't know if you guys know this, or not, but he's he's really fast. And uh, it's funny because like defensive ends run at the combine, and obviously like like everybody does. And that's like the only time you ever see them sprint, and you forget like how good of athletes they are. And so when they on the rare opportunity where they get to like sprint down the field or pick up a ball on a scoop and score or something, it's just like, oh dang, I forgot how athletic that guy was. It was like yeah. that with Brian Burns in his uh, rookie year when he had his scoop and score. Against the oh yeah, Jaguars. it's just like, oh dang, that guy's very fast. I forgot that guy runs a four four forty. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that set the tone for the game. 
the following drive, the, the Saints came out. They only had three plays for four yards. So the defense held up once again. And the Panthers got themselves a 10-play, 40-yard drive that, with an Eddie Pinheiro fin- field goal to end it. Um, passing offense really struggled in the beginning. Uh, Baker struggled to hit DJ Moore wide open several times, but it's okay. End the first end the first quarter, ten nothing. We'll take that. Um, after the field goal, the Saints got another three play drive. They only netted one yard after a penalty on their center for offensive holding. Panthers came back, had a nice three-play, negative nine-yard drive. Um, but it's okay because the Saint, the Panthers' defense locked them down once again. Three plays, three yards, punt. Panthers got another nice drive going. Ten plays, 52 yards. So the offense is starting to get there as far as moving the ball goes, but they uh, once again uh, fizzled out towards the red zone of the Saints. So... Kicked another field goal. Once again, Eddie Pinheiro, good for 48 yards. And that was when the Saints finally had some life. They put together a 10-play, 70-yard drive towards the end of the first half. And then we got another big play as Henry Anderson, the acquisition that the Panthers made right after all the 53-man roster cuts, defensive end slash defensive tackle, he blocked the field goal, which I don't remember the last time that I saw the Panthers block a field goal, to be it's honest. Been also, we, we do need not to like take any shine away from uh, from Henry Anderson, but that's an awful kick. Like, kudos to him for getting some push and getting his hand up and getting his hand in the right spot. But like, the defensive line could almost block it with their heads. <laughs> like, it was. I don't know what I don't know what Will Lutz's problem was yesterday because he was or Sunday. I don't know why I said yesterday. It was several days ago. Um. He's normally a very good kicker, but he was not not having it on Sunday. But again, I don't want to take away too much from Henry Anderson, Henry Anderson, because it's 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 tough to block a field goal. Yeah, very few players ever get to do it, and uh, he got to three games into his Carolina career. So kudos to him. How bad um, do you think it hurts to block a field goal? I feel like you're gonna you're gonna definitely dislocate a finger doing that. <laughs> like, like depending on where it hits you, but yeah, you're definitely gonna feel it. Like between K1 Short and Julius Peppers back in the day when they would block field goals, I'd always see like the slow mo replay of it hitting their hands. I'm like, God damn, like that's got to yeah. hurt. <laughs> right. You're kicking um, a ball that's going to travel 55, 60 yards in the air and you're immediately smacking it with your hand. Yeah. Um, and like, a lot of times the tips of your fingers as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've had, I've had fingers dislocated when I played football and I was, I was just, just barely missing like, 20 yard throws, maybe not 50 yard kicks. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. But so the Saints opened the second quarter or the second half, and uh, they once again put together a nice drive. By the way, um, Chris Olave, he's either legit or the Panthers secondary is not as good as advertised, but he he tore them apart this game. But regardless, 14 We're plays. Say he's 16, legit. Yeah, I think he's legit, but. 14 plays, 62 yards. The Panthers or the the Saints were sitting there on the 19-yard line or the 18-yard line, first and 10. Uh, Defense really held up well. Uh, Negative carry by Alvin Kamara, then an incomplete pass to Kamara. And then Jeremy Chin, of all people, got the first sack of the game, the only sack of the game, by the way, 
when he just storms Jameis Winston, one of those highlights that you saw from him in college where he just sprinted at the quarterback and there was nothing they could do about it. So 11-yard sack. Will Lutz went out to kick again, and he missed it wide right. Badly. I'm pretty sure that kick is the reason why I saw him get get released in two of my fantasy leagues. Um, (laughs) That's what's like, I mean – in fantasy, like it just says that he missed two kicks, like because of the block. But like, if you were watching the game and you saw that missed kick, it's like, God, this guy sucks. Yeah, he's terrible, awful. He scored zero points. So, but anyway, then the Panthers got aggressive a little bit. They uh, got a nice carry to start the drive off from Christian McCaffrey for 18 yards, and then we got good old Baker Mayfield again. So. DJ Moore had a, a nice little rush for four yards. Then Baker missed him once again. And then the Panthers tried to run the ball with McCaffrey on third and six up the middle. Didn't work well. And they decided to get a little aggressive and Baker Mayfield threw a pass on fourth and four. The only problem was that it was in one of the tightest windows I've ever seen to <laughs> Giovanni Ritchie. So nowhere close to catching it. You're a contested catch special, specialist at that. Yeah. Giovanni Ritchie, the tight end slash fullback. Contested catch specialist. Um, Panthers and Saints traded punts. Uh, granted, the Panthers put up a 37-yard drive. That's when the Saints, though, got their first scoring drive of the game. Chris Olave once again ate him up in that drive and ended with a rushing touchdown by uh, Mark Ingram. So, yeah. Will Lutz did kick a, a field goal there, but if you're in a league where or I should say a PAT, but if you're in a league where you lose points for him missing kicks, uh, he still had zero. So looked like the Saints were going to come back a little bit because, you know, it was only 7-13 to 13 now, so Carolina only led by six points. We've all seen this story before. Carolina gives up the lead in the, uh, towards the end. However, good old LaVisca Chenault, the guy they traded away, what, a sixth-round pick for and got a oh seventh-round pick in return for? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Basically traded down around to get him. So all of a sudden, the Panthers' offense got smart and just decided, let's just give the ball to one of our playmakers in the open field on a short pass. And LaVisca Chenault took it to the house. 67 yards. And I can see why the Saints defenders were kind of shy of tackling him because the dude's like 210 pounds and runs like a 4-4-4-5-40. So he just ran through that defense and... All of a sudden, Baker Mayfield had a passing touchdown. The passing offense looked a lot better. Statistically, yes. Statistically, they did, yes. Um, Following drive, we saw one of the best plays you'll ever see from a defensive lineman. Uh, The Panthers have had this penchant right now for when they're not able to get a four-man rush, they start blitzing defensive backs. And uh, on second and 10, they blitzed J.C. Horn, who actually with – which – by the way, I think that's a great usage of him. I don't care what anybody else says. The dude's got giant arms. He's very fast. Like, just let him get after the quarterback sometimes. But anyway. You know, on, a, on, on that real quick, you know, I what I don't like is when people are like, hey, this guy's really good at this. We should never deploy him any other way ever. It's like, I mean, he could, like, yeah, J.C. Horn's really good in coverage. Doesn't mean he should never, like, I don't like where it's like, well, then he should only be in coverage every snap. Or like Brian Burns is the best pass rusher, so he should never drop into coverage. It's like, I mean, one, like, why not? It's switch things up. 
like throw different looks at the other team and two, like let them have some fun. Cause I'm sure like JC Horn would like to get a sack and Brian Burns would like to get a pick. Like let them have some fun out there. Let them be, I can let say be as a, players. I can say as a former defensive back, I loved blitzing as a safety. Right. So yeah, yeah, like, but JC Horn got himself into the backfield, jumped up real high, used his long arms, batted the pass. And we saw Derek Brown make one of the most athletic <laughs> interceptions I've ever seen from a defensive tackle diving interception. Um, so once again, the defense held up that turned into a seven play 19 yard drive by the Panthers, which again was held short by Baker Mayfield missing DJ Moore. So the Panthers kicked the field goal, Eddie Pinheiro three for three on the game, which by the way, Eddie Pinheiro deserves a round of applause because he was just some guy they picked up off the streets and he played damn well. So I mean, we the Saints. Exactly. The Saints got the ball back. They only netted negative four yards. They punt. The Panthers punt on the following drive. That's when the Saints score on a very nice deep pass to um, Traquan Smith for 48 yards. And then Marquez Callaway, which that play by Marquez Callaway to score when he just snagged the ball out of the air when there was like four Panthers defenders and like two Saints uh, receivers around it. Like, there's not much you can do as a defense for a play like that. Jameis Winston threw it up. His player made the play. It is what it is, you know. I'm not really all that mad about it, but it did put the Saints It would probably be one of, like, the best catches of the year if it wasn't a garbage time touchdown. And if the Saints won, it would have been a much different play, yeah. Um, So the Saints were down 22-14 to to Carolina, so they needed eight points. Carolina comes back, and of course, you know, when they're trying to to close the game out, they end up punting with two minutes and five seconds left. So, but yeah, they started the drive with two minutes. They, the drive took two five oh five. They oh, that's right. Yeah, that's, you're right. Yeah, that's right. The Saints took over with like less than twenty seconds left. Um, right. Jameis Winston on the one yard line. Like that. Yep. Yeah, I will say Johnny Hecker had a hell of a game. He punted the shit out of the football that whole game. Um, but probably his best punt of the game was that one where he got him down at the one yard line with less than 20 seconds to go. And Jameis Winston being Jameis threw the ball up deep, which that's what you want your quarterback to do at that point in the game. But he threw the ball up deep for Chris Olave and JC Horn finished off the game with a nice interception and Carolina won 22 to 14. And now every team in the NFC South is one and two. Sounds about right. It's a beautiful oh, thing. Well, wait, aren't the Bucks the one? Nope, they lost to the Packers last week. Yeah, but yeah, that was the only loss. They're two and one. Are they two and one? Okay, I thought they lost two games. I mean, all right. Well, they played like they have. Like they they had that they've had two really really ugly games against the Cowboys and the Saints that they won, and then they lost the ugly game. Oh, the that's it. Somebody misled me. I apologize to our fans. Um, but anyway, regardless, still one and two, very much in the running to be competitive in the division, regardless of how much you believe in the team. But Also, a uh, positive point differential. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a fan. Christian McCaffrey so, had another 100-yard game. Anyway, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, on yeah, so Christian McCaffrey had a 100-yard game. Uh, I guess to start on the positive stuff, like, obviously, the Chanel, like, I think – I, I, like, I hope that that means things open up more for the other guys because it's been very hard to watch 
Baker, and I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if he's pressing or trying too hard or what, but his throws to DJ Moore have been like horrendous throws. They've been terrible throws. And I'm hoping that like if LaVisca, I mean, it's one game and he's also out on, he's also on injury reports. I don't even know if he'll play on Sunday, but having another player that commands at least a little bit of attention will like give some easier looks to DJ Moore and Baker Mayfield. Um, but because like I don't ex- I don't expect Lavisca Chanel to be like the team's best playmaker, despite the fact that that's what he was on uh, Sunday. So, uh, but again, he's nursing a hamstring injury. I mean, how those go? Yeah, they could either be nothing or they can be something that nags you for the entire season. So you never really know. Um, but yeah, Lavisca Chanel had two receptions for ninety yards for an average of forty-five yards per reception. So. His second reception was also really good because he got a first down on another short pass. So, yeah, that's the kind I mean, of thing yeah, he basically see. came in and was like, I mean, I know he returned the opening kickoff and that was like kind of a whatever play. But the Panthers were like uh, kind of stalling out. And then he's like, all right, I got you guys. And he, he ran the kickoff back to like the third, like past the 30 yard line. And then uh, I think it was the second play of the drive. To, that was when he scored the 67 yard touchdown. And then I think it was on a third or fourth down that he had like a 30 yard catch and run on like a throw that was well short of the sticks. And he took it and ran uh, and converted a first down and basically extended or like extended the drive long enough to where the Panthers could really milk most of the rest of the clock. So uh, yeah, just good job. LaVisca just coming out here and like carrying the Panthers offense in the second. half. Yeah. His, uh, his, uh, 23-yard reception, his second reception of the game was a third and 14. Right, that's right, on our own 10. Yeah, yep, on our own 10. So, that, good for and then that, Yeah, that, that catch and run gave – it forced the Saints to burn all three of their timeouts in the subsequent three plays that we ran up the ball in the middle for uh, seven total yards. Yep. But if nothing, we made them burn their uh, timeouts. So, it, that ended up kind of putting the game away in a sense. Um so there's there's like credit to him for that. Uh, the one thing I want to talk about on off on the offensive side of the ball, um, I know we talked about this and we were gonna save it for if the, the season really went like sideways and bad. But even in the win, like, do we I'm, do we start talking about Baker Mayfield? Do we start talking about uh, the 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 reclamation project that we should look we should, for for next we, season? We we definitely should. Yes, because. Because Baker Mayfield completed 12 of 25 passes for 170 yards, which like, which the yards per attempt is not bad. But you have to remember that 67 of those yards came on a quick out to LaVisca Chenault, who took, who ran like 63 of the 67 yards. So like, aside from that throw, which was entirely a wide receiver play, Baker Mayfield was 11 for 24 for 103 yards. That's including another short yet short yardage throw to LaVisca Chanel for 23 yards that he made the entire play. Right. So, like, that's bad. It's very, like, and it's the thing is, is for one, the stat lines are terrible. The stat lines are, like, uh, I don't remember, like, Deshaun Kaiser and, like, Josh Rosen, like, the quarterbacks that, like, busted real bad where they put up these weird, like, extremely low – completion percentages with really short passing yards per attempt and stuff. And it's like, how are you even doing this in this, in the modern NFL? And uh, not only that, like 
it's not like he doesn't have anywhere to throw the ball. He's just he's missing so badly to like very easy targets by NFL standards. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, it's a little concerning. Like the DJ Moore yeah. stuff really was uh was not good. I I was very disappointed in Baker, and I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if it's just he's not comfortable, but he's starting to almost justify that small voice in, on Twitter that's like, put D- Sam Darnold out there when so he's healthy. Yeah, but it is wild. But like, but Baker's I, like starting to it. make it. <laughs> I mean, if Baker doesn't turn things around, though, like, it's going to be hard to, like, argue against that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, like, I mean, we already talked about this last week, so I'm not going to belabor the point, but I think people are, like, being like, well, Sam Donald did this at the beginning of the year, forgetting that Sam Donald after game, after week four, was exactly the same player that we're seeing at Baker Mayfield. So I don't know what we'd accomplish with that. But I don't know. It's, it's like, to say concerning is I feel like putting it – very, very uh, mildly, but yeah, because it's yeah. it's it's very, very bad right now, and I, I don't know what like how this team is going to have any sort of success. Like we're we're in the same position we were for the last two years, where like the and I mean they built up the rest of the roster, but like the roster as a whole is decent, is pretty if not good, but the quarterback play has been so bad that it's that one position is. Com- completely hampering the entire team. Like, I mean, the offense, the offense was like a train wreck, but it's also like, like Christian McCaffrey's playing well. And obviously like DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson is a good one, two punch wide receiver. There's no reason. And the offensive line's better. So I mean, the offensive line, as far as uh, PFF is concerned, which I, I tend to take it with a grain of salt, but even ESPN's like pass or a uh, pass rush win rate slash pass block win rate, whatever the stat is, like both of them line up and say the Panthers offensive line played well against the Saints. So. Yeah. Like, and, and um, I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, Team pass block win rate. Carolina Panthers ninth. Yeah. And that's with Ike McQuanu usually surrendering at least a sack every game. So. I got a random email from somebody. I didn't see all of it, but um, I don't, we had the same conversation with Sam about Sam Donald last year. And I, it's, 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 I feel like it's such a lazy take and no offense to people that have been saying this to say like, whenever the quarterback's bad, like I feel like I've never, or I always see from every team who are like, can't come to grips with the fact that the quarterback's bad. It's always the offensive line's fault. Right, yeah. like that's it's just like a very easy, just like catch-all excuse of like, oh well, the offensive line was better, he'd be better. But like the Panthers' offensive line has been good, and I think what's part of the problem is like Baker's making it look worse because he is running into sacks and running into pressure a lot, and I don't know why because he's been protected, so it's not like he's got the like he doesn't have a reason to have happy feet. Um, it's just like, it's been, and Sam Donald did this last year too, but it's it's very frustrating watching how often he drops back and like, doesn't see his first read right away. And you can see like his posture change. Like he immediately looks down to see how much more time he has. And then he starts running around and as opposed to just like hanging in there and moving on to the next thing. And that's part of why the pressure looks bad and why the, the, 
the offensive line looks bad because he's just like running starts. He starts like kind of panicking and running around when he doesn't need to. And then it's just like, wow, offensive line failed again. It's like, well, I mean, Baker just like wouldn't like took a clean pocket and ran away from it. And now he's got defensive linemen unblocked. Yeah, he's holding on to the ball too long. And there was one snap that I saw in particular on Sunday that made me really scratch my head. Um, the Saints did come hard at them, but he had plenty of time to throw the ball away. And instead, you saw him drop down and kind of like try to get away from it instead of just like throw the ball away. Like you don't even have to throw the ball to a receiver, but that turned into a sack when he just like immediately dipped down, took the ball away from like the throwing uh, area where you're like have the ball up by your head and you're ready to throw yeah. it. He just went straight down and was like trying to like put his hands out to keep the offensive lineman from getting into him. And I was like, you had enough time to throw, man. Like, right. <laughs> just throw the ball out of bounds. It's fine. Like, you know, you had a receiver that was that was going that way. It wouldn't have been intentional grounding. So, yeah, yeah it's a little concerning. Yeah, he's he's been doing that a lot, and it's it's really really hurting the offense. And I I, I don't think this is a new thing for him, but uh, I don't I think it's I don't know if it's gotten worse or if it's worse than I realized it was when he was on the grounds, but. He's he's definitely got his confidence is shaken badly, and it's it's really dragging down the offense. Part of it is magnified by the fact that they just seem to refuse to number one run Christian McCaffrey outside, and number two have him run like any kind of like we- real wide receiver routes. Like all That's I've seen them really do is like he runs the typical like check down route or like the wheel route, and I mean he, he can didn't run really a wheel do that route. much, but it's like so. I feel like I feel like Christian McCaffrey, and it's kind of like the Dan Orlovsky thing that people kind of debunked. Where like, but uh, so I don't know how legit it is. But it feels like Christian McCaffrey. It's like he only runs routes if the balls if the play is like supposed to go to him, like for sure, right? Like if you see Christian McCaffrey like leak out of the backfield immediately, it's like oh well, this is a pass. Like that's the first read. But every other like to your point, most of the times that he's catching passes are like. He's in pass protection, and then he just like turns around to see like for a dump off from Baker if nothing else is available. And I think that's why he's averaging he's averaging like five yards a catch, I think, which yeah. is by far the worst of his career because he's I mean, not we're not using him as a receiver at all. Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. Like, I've seen McCaffrey run those like option jerk routes where it's like the linebacker has no chance against him. Like it kind of reminds mm-hmm. like he kind of reminds me of Julian Edelman in that regard where when he's on the same page with his quarterback, the guy covering him is going to lose no matter what. But I haven't seen them run those routes hardly at all anymore. Like right. it's very, very odd. I don't know if it's just that ba- they feel like Baker's not familiar enough with the offense yet or familiar enough with McCaffrey yet. But yeah, it's just very weird. Like, Especially with how, I mean, their their pass blocking hasn't always been great. I mean, Elf Line still gets thrown back into the backfield every now and again, and obviously Ekam has got his his issues. But you know, there there are definitely times where they drop Baker back and he's like throwing a ball to Robbie Anderson. I mean, great example. There was a uh, the one long pass where he like lobbed the ball to Robbie, and it would have required Robbie to make a fantastic catch. Which Robbie's paid like a great wide receiver, so you know, fine, but. That could have really been an easier play if they just ran the same route concept and then McCaffrey goes, oh, I'm going to go run either a stop route or an out route to the left or right as an option play and just let Baker find him, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's... Very weird. Also, also like, 
use it. I don't know why we don't line him up in the slot occasionally, like varying up our looks. And oh, I mean, like we that. have Chuba Hubbard and we have Dante Foreman. Like, you know, they could very easily just trot one of those guys out as the running back, put McCaffrey in the slot. Defense still got to account for McCaffrey no matter what. So, right, like, like the Browns put like Nick Chubb in the slot sometimes, and Nick Chubb does not catch passes. So, like, I don't know why we don't have like the best receiving back in the NFL lineup in the slot every now and then to catch some passes. Um, yeah. And then, or like run real routes out of the backfield on a regular basis. Instead, they're just like, yep, this guy's going to be good in pass protection. It's like, that's a very bad allocation of your resources. But yeah. I guess to, to put a bow on this, um, not to be overly negative because the Panthers did win, but the offense is so far away from being good enough to actually make any real noise that that is, it kind of put a damper on the game, on the win a little bit. And also it was just like made it another not very entertaining game. It made it more, it made it the narrative that the saints really beat themselves more than anything. Yes. Because of the turnovers and the fact that like, I mean, the Panthers won by eight and they scored a defensive touchdown. And won the turnover battle, what, three to nothing? Like, it's not. Yeah. Super inspiring. It's still so, a win. So yeah. it still marks as a win in the win column. But you would think that, I don't know, like, let's let's say the Cam Newton era of, like, 2015 or 2017, like, that offense would have probably put up, like, 30 to 40 points on the Saints with the opportunities they got. So. And we got 12 yeah. first downs. Yeah. It's not good. No, not good at all. 12? So, oh, even better. We had twelve first downs on thirteen drives. Wow, incredible. <laughs> oh, but anyway, before we move on to the Cardinals, uh, let's just talk about our our favorite players from Sunday. Um, I guess the easy ones are J.C. Horn and uh, you know Derek Brown. Can we, no, no, we have to. Yeah, I was gonna say we have to give ourselves a pat on the back because we both talked about Frankie Lua before the season started as like a breakout candidate, and not only did like he force the fumble for the touchdown, and but he was getting like he was getting his flowers from uh, the the play the commentary crew, like they were gassing him up big time. It's actually funny because the only film study that I could find on Twitter or not Twitter YouTube last year was Frankie Lua against the Saints. And all he did was obliter- he abused their uh, their run blockers. And that's all he did this game, too. Like, everybody who tried to block him, they failed. And this time around, he actually played, like, the entire game. So he was just a force the entire time. And I think he was the main reason why Alvin Kamara was struggling so much. Because he very much is the kind of guy where, like, a guy goes to try and block him, and he just blows him backward, and it, th- it fucks the whole play up. Yeah, like, yeah, and then, but then he does like everything too. Like he's blowing up run plays. He had like one play where he just like, came like, like I, I think I think it ended up not counting for some reason. But he like just it was very like reminiscent of like Luke Keekley tackle against the Ravens in the preseason that everyone likes to share, where he just came yeah. like flying through the gap and was like immediately shot down a play. Oh, he got a couple then, shots on J- on Jameis Winston as a pass rusher too. Yeah. So. So yeah, I, I know he didn't have a huge box score game, but it, he was making an impact. And also, uh, we just are going to ask for credit because we called it before the season started. We did. Only one more year, but it's still good. So, but yeah, um, 
trying to think of anybody else who impressed me aside from Lou. <laughs> um, I mean, Jen led the team with tackles and had the the, the sack and the a couple couple nice pass breakups. Yeah, I really like the way they're utilizing Chin. Like, he's still technically a full-time safety, but I do like that they're just using those linebacker tendencies that are part of his skill set to rush the passer and get up in there in the in the grill of the offense and the on the front seven. I like that a lot. I think that that's the way you should use him. Not like a full-time linebacker or anything like that, but moving him up there to do like a Roman Harper type role yeah. at times. I think that's that's perfect for him. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So, but anyway, I guess let's go on to the Cardinals. So this is going to be a f- weird fucking game. They always are. Well, the Panthers are 6-0 and against the Cardinals the last six times they've played. And the Cardinals look like a really good team on paper, but they haven't been this season. They've been the, quite the opposite, aside yeah. from one half against the Raiders. Yeah. They're one and two, and I mean, like, Murray's throwing the ball a lot for them. I guess they just don't really have a running game. Um, I mean, James Conner's, yeah, I mean, they don't. James Conner's good. He hasn't been effective this year. Like, he's averaging three yards a carry. But, like, they should have a running game. <clears throat> yeah. Their, their offensive line has been good, or is good. Like, I don't even know, man. No, I don't get it. I mean, like, Hollywood Brown had 14 catches for 140 yards last week, so he was a fine pickup by them. J.J. Watt has, I believe, the only two sacks they have of the season, which I th- thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, their, their uh, defense is very bad. Yeah. Do they even have Chandler Jones still? I don't even know. No, um, no. okay. Well, that's that good because I was. That, that, I, <laughs> that explains a lot. Now he's on the Raiders. That's right. Yeah, I was worried at first coming into this podcast. I was like, "Oh fuck it, Icky's got to deal with him." But now I guess his biggest concern is probably JJ Watt. If he, um, plays. If he plays, yes. But yeah, um, the Cardinals are just one of those games where I just never really know how to gauge it. I mean, last year I was pretty fully expecting them to beat the shit out of the Panthers, even with Kyler Murray not playing, and I think Hawkins couldn't play either. Um, I mean, that was the day they were the... Yeah, they were the one... That was the... That was the... They were the one seed in the NFL at that point. I think they were like six and... They were uh, eight and one, and their only loss was on like the last play of the game to the Packers on a Thursday night game. So, every reason to believe... and. I know Kyler Murray didn't play, but Colt McCoy also played the weeks before. Yeah, it wasn't like he just just trotted out there with no experience. Yeah, they won with Colt McCoy the week before, so it wasn't like, it was like, oh, well, let's see how they fare without Kyler Murray. And even then, like, 34 to 10 is is a thorough beatdown. Yeah. So, that came out of nowhere. That was also the last game the Panthers won. Yeah. last week. Yeah, I mean, I it seems like I guess Phil Snow has some kind of game plan for them. And the personnel, aside from Hassan Reddick not being around, is mostly the same. So I don't really know what to what to think of this game. I mean, the Panthers going back to a very zone-heavy zone defense seems to be almost to their detriment since they have a lot of guys who are pretty good at 
man coverage. I mean, Dante, JC, I think CJ Henderson is probably better in man than he is in zone, but I don't know. It's going to be a really interesting game. It is in Carolina, so that always helps because, you know, home field advantage, I guess, if any fans show up. But it's funny, though, because it's a home game, but we're still starting at four. It's the same thing that's happening with the San Francisco game the week after. Uh, mm-hmm. Normally, the 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 West Coast teams coming east, the games are still – they're like – not normally, but a lot of times they're still at one o'clock. But we're, we're, we're working on uh, Pacific time for the East Coast game. Yeah, so like a little, little, a little uh, bone for the Cardinals, I guess. But, um, I, I, so like the whole point of what you're saying, like on paper, I would have thought coming in that the Cardinals, like this, would be a game that we would lose, and then the Cardinals have been so bad. But then, like, I don't always believe that they can actually be this bad, right? Because of how good they look on paper, and I know right. they're missing stuff, but it just, it's like. Like you said, it's just so hard to gauge. Like Kyler Murray is really, really good, and their defense, other than lo- like losing Chandler Jones, other than that, they have like pieces you think they would be decent. So the fact that they're losing badly and struggling on both sides of the ball is surprising. Yeah, I mean their pass defense is like the third worst in the NFL right now. Yeah, and their run defense is really bad too. Like it's bad. The yeah. defense is just bad, bad. And like um, if they're if there's ever a game for the Panthers to correct their trajectory on the offense, it's this game, which they probably won't just because it's the Panthers, but yeah, they absolutely won't. The, yeah. the Cardinals, I mean, to, to like, you know, put the shoe in the other foot, the Cardinals fans are over there saying like, this would be a good week for the defense to get themselves on track because the Panthers offense is so bad. So, you know, Something's got to give, I guess. Right. The immovable object versus the irresistible force. Um, Something's got to give. Just to their uh, DVOA on Football Outsiders, they're 14th in rush DVOA, and they are 31st, or no, 30th in pass DVOA and 31st overall. Is this their offense or the defense? Defense. Damn. So the only defense that is uh, graded out—I won't say graded out because it's not—that sounds subjective. Uh, the only defense that has been worse to this point in the season is the Jets. Wow. Well, I guess a lot of it really depends on what Christian McCaffrey's availability is. Oh yeah. Um, for those of you who haven't been paying attention this week or haven't had the time, I know there's a lot of hurricane stuff going on out there. So. Um, McCaffrey has been out for the last two days, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, with a quad injury, and we're not really sure if he's going to play or not. And that could or be where it came from. Yeah, apparently they encountered it after the game on Sunday, which was interesting. Which hopefully just means it's like sore, and he can just kind of work through it. I mean, he still played. He played all all the game on Sunday. I believe he came out for a little bit, but he came back in. Um, hopefully it's just the coaching staff being cautious, but if he's not playing, I guess we'll get the uh, Chuba Hubbard, Dante Foreman running back committee, and that'll be interesting to see. 
I almost kind of think that they're going to p- call plays that are smarter when McCaffrey's not in there, to be honest. It's like one of those things where uh, coaches get like, they have a really bad quarterback and they like try to draw, like scheme up like a really quarterback friendly offense. And then they get a better quarterback and they're like, all right, like I don't need to do this like play action motion stuff anymore. Cause I got a good quarterback. It's like, no, why don't you like have the easy offense and the good quarterback? Right. And I feel like it's like, like that's, that will, that's what we'll do. Uh, on Sunday, right? Where it's like, all right, okay, since we don't have Christian McCaffrey, you can make something out of nothing. Let's see if we can manufacture some some yards. And it's like, why haven't you been doing that anyway? Right. Right. I do I do really hope that if if somehow McCaffrey doesn't play, I really do hope that Chuba Hubbard just has a good game because I feel bad for that guy. Panthers fans hate him so much. Like <laughs> why? I don't it's just because of the I will give it to them. His his functional uh, contacts. Uh, trying to think of the word, but basically his his ability to bounce off of contact was very subpar last year. Um, last week he looked pretty good. I mean, he had a nice run when he got yeah, that one. Hit. Yeah, where he like spun around and like caught him like bal- like had tremendous balance. Yeah, and Dante Foreman. I just feel like they're not they're just not using him enough. I feel like he was supposed to be the, the goal line red zone back. And they're just like, Nope, we're going to use McCaffrey instead. Also. I mean, we're not getting to the goal line, so that's also true. <laughs> yeah. We're <laughs> mostly kicking field goals. You're right. Um, <laughs> we're like we're, every third down is like third and nine. And we only got into the goal line like once, like he hasn't really had a chance to thrive in his best situations yet. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think the, Regardless of whether it's McCaffrey or it's the committee of for, of uh, Foreman and Hubbard, I think winning this game kind of centers around the rushing game just to give Baker a little bit of relief. I mean, that first week he threw the ball way too much, and I think ever since then he's been kind of jarred. I don't know. Yeah, and I think, and then also the the uh, the passing the passing game should I like. Like we just talked about the the Raven or the the Cardinals defense is so bad that like it should be able to work and maybe get some momentum going. But I also am like worried that our because I feel, I feel like it's one of those things where uh, sometimes an offense is just so bad that they would struggle against no defense. So yeah. like I don't know if the Cardinals having such a bad pass defense is really going to help us at all. So that kind of might further your point that they do need to run the ball well to sustain some drives and get them themselves in situations where they aren't in obvious, they, they're not in obvious passing situations. Cause it, I just, I don't trust this passing offense to have any success against any defense right now. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't help. They can, they constantly find themselves in like third and eight or longer. Right. In a game like this, you know, you run the ball a few times, get yourself to like third and four. Okay. Maybe Baker makes that play, but Baker has seems to have good rapport with Robbie Anderson. Um, I'm just kind of hoping that he just settles down, and if their pass blocking can get, I mean, it's good enough already. But if they can get good enough where he doesn't have to feel like he has to run the run away all the time, they might be okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's going to be more if, on him. Than the if there's any player. game that Baker Mayfield can turn it around and show us why he was a highly touted quarterback, it's this one. And if Baker Mayfield struggles, then I will not uh, make fun of or question the. I'm not going to say I won't question them, but I will think slightly more favorably 
towards the people that are calling for Sam Darnold to play again. Yeah, I mean, if he struggles in this game and they decide to start Sam Darnold, my response is going to be like, fuck it, let's see what happens. That's yeah, going to be, be like, right, it's going to be like, like, I mean, not not that not something I would have wanted, but I also can't argue with the decision. Like, yeah. Can't get any worse. Exactly. Well, I could. You never know. <laughs> but, um, I mean, we are not the worst pass offense in the NFL, so I guess it could technically could get worse. Yeah, exactly. There's actually two that are worse than us. Can you guess the two? Oh, God. Um, let's see. One of them is, if you can't think of them, one of them's going to be very obvious, and the other one's quite a bit less obvious. The Bears? Yes. And... That's the obvious one. <laughs> um... The this, is by, this, is, this is by DVOA, not like totally or anything. Oh. Uh, no. Not the Steelers. Okay. Broncos? No. One more guess before we just make this a Jeopardy show that no one cares about. Raiders? No. Okay. It is the Colts. You know, that doesn't actually surprise me now that I think about it. Right. So, like, they're, they're passing yardage is fine, but I think it's because they've had so many turnovers in the passing <laughs> yeah. game that 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 they're uh that it's like their per play output is extremely it's like very far on the negative. I know like Matt Ryan's done four interceptions and I think he's fumbled it a lot so far this season. So um yeah those are the two passing offenses that have been less effective than the Panthers on a per-play basis this point in the season. He's yeah, well, four interceptions have been sacked 12 times, and I think he's fumbled at like five. I think part of it is that the, Col- the Colts' only real wide receiver is Michael Pittman, but yeah. Yeah, but anyway, moving on, uh, did you want to do – did you have anything else with the Cardinals game before the, the – No, I think we can move on to scoring predictions, so. Um – I'll go, I'm first. Still, um, go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. I'm going to continue with my anti-Panthers propaganda, and I'm going to say let's go 24 to 17 Cardinals. All right. I'm going to say I'm going to stick with my pro Panthers because the Panthers always beat the Cardinals. Um, we're going to go Panthers. If they get two touchdowns, like 23. These numbers are so low and boring. Uh, Cardinals, nine. That's too many points. Cardinals, 17. 23-17. Cardinals. Or Panthers, Final I answer. Say. All right. Random number, generator. random number generator today. Panthers, 26. Also, with my to actually with my thing would be like the Panthers getting a rare win when allowing their opponents to score seventeen points, so that might be a little overly optimistic. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Panthers twenty six, Cardinals twenty one. The random wow. number generator is on board with the Panthers. Finally, that's the first time the RNG has picked the pan or the the Panthers, I should say. Um, it's very reactive. It's it, it's it, uh, recency bias from the random. Number. Well, luckily this time I was prepared, so I don't need to ask you for the scores again. So, <laughs> so 26-21. Um, 26 is exactly the kind of score I see the Panthers getting. Whenever I'm like creating, whenever I was thinking my score, it's like, all right, what's the score that involves a lot of field goals? And 26 is one of those scores. I could see two touchdowns with 
Baker making a, a nice throw to somebody, uh, a Panthers defensive touchdown, and then just field goals the rest of the way. So yeah, yeah. four field goals. Yeah, just like moving, yeah. like every drive is like fifty yards and nine plays, and then we kick a field goal from the twenty-five yard line. Yep. Still, twenty-six to twenty-one would be an anxiety-ridden game because they we would never feel comfortable with the lead at that point. So, yeah, uh, I mean, that's because <laughs> we don't. Yeah, I mean, we don't score enough points to be up by a lot of points. So that's kind of the, the way it goes. Yep. So just to give you all the breakdown on the final score predictions. So the RNG is two and one. Or wait, is it two and one? Yep. Yeah, yeah, it is two and one. Every time. I am one and two, and John is one and two. So it's a real tight, real tight <laughs> race right now. It would say a lot about somebody if it was already a, a, a blowout three weeks into the season. Yeah. But um, real quick, to wrap up the show, um, while I had Football Outsiders pulled up, um, there are two, no, three surprise contenders in the top 10 for Super Bowl odds. Okay. Now, I think some of it is based on like preseason projections, so that explains the first one. But number eight is the Cowboys. That's weird. Now, here's but here's where the fun part is. Number nine is the Jaguars, and number 10 is the Browns. I'd be totally happy to see the Jaguars make a Super Bowl just because those fans have been so punished. So it's it's I remember and then I'm surprised the Dolphins aren't right here. Um it was very I was like talking to people and this is just now like general NFL talk. But uh like who would have thought a couple of years ago, like pre Josh Allen becoming good, that I'd be like, you know what the game all right guys, you know what the game of the week is uh on Sunday? It's Dolphins Bills. Yeah, that would never have Moten- been most of the season, yeah, right. I, like the Bills have been around in that like conversation for a couple of years now. But like, if you went like the entire 2000s to, in 2010, and like any anywhere in that time period, yeah, like Dolphins Bills is going to be like the feature matchup in the NFL in a week in 2022. One week, it's going to be like that's not true. How is that going to happen? So. And here we are. <laughs> and here we are. Tuatanga Vailoa suddenly being a potential franchise quarterback. Who'd have thought? <laughs> it does tend to be a little easier when you just get like two of the fastest players in the NFL to make them your wide receivers. And also have an offensive minded coach that like, like to what we were saying earlier, where it's like, I don't care how good my players are, I'm still going to design an offense to help them. It's amazing how that works. I wish we had that. <laughs> Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Well, anything else you want to touch on, John? Yep, I'm all set. Well, from all of us here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, this is Brian joined by John as always. We will talk to you next week. Hopefully we get to be happy about another Panthers win. But who the hell knows because it's the Cardinals and that game is always chaotic. So stay tuned, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will talk to you soon. See you.